Hello there and welcome to the podcast Biblical Question. We're excited that you've taken time out of your day to download our podcast and to listen to us. It is our hope and prayer that you would be edified and Christ would be glorified. I'd encourage you to please go to our webpage at biblicalquestion.com, all one word, all lowercase, and there you can find out more information about us. We have a statement of faith as well as links to our social media accounts. We have a prayer request. Uh, you can use uh, our contact page uh, there to submit your prayer request or your Bible question. We also enjoy and are very blessed. We get lots of positive comments from people all around the world, and we thank God for that. We're excited, again, that you're listening to us, and, and today we're going to talk about a subject that probably not politically correct for a lot of people and it's going to be about if God loves me why would he send me to hell uh, we have this idea in our society today uh, and it doesn't take very long to figure out uh, the greatest majority of people do not think uh, there is a hell for ordinary people or God would even send someone there Hell is only for devil or, or Hitler or somebody like that and so on. So if you want to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and mark it there, 1 Corinthians 6, and then turn with me to Acts chapter 4 verse 12, Acts chapter 4 verse 12, and we will begin our podcast. Again, I thank you for listening and, and certainly hope that you have a Bible and that you're following along and, and reading along with us. We have this idea again, after all, God loves everyone, and He's a God of love. And yes, those are true statements, but if He's God, and He's the just God that He claims to be, then He also has to be the righteous judge of all of mankind. He has a law, a law for every person to live by or to die by. If sin is no big deal and no one is going to hell, then Jesus really should be asking for an apology. If sin is the only, uh, what each person makes it out to be, is for themselves, if hell is only for those who are really, really bad people, then what is there to be saved from? I mean, that's a term that we coined uh, somehow along the line in Christianity. I've been saved. Well, what are you saved from? I found this poll. It's an older poll on the Internet. And it's really been interesting. This poll probably is not as valid as it once was, but I still want to use it. It's from uh, around 2010. Here's what it says. And the poll was done on people who claim to be Christian adults. 84% believed in the survival of the soul after death. I don't know why 100% would not, but 84%. 82% believed there was a heaven. 80% believed in the resurrection of Christ. Okay, folks, I, I'm sorry, i got to stop for just a moment here. If you're claiming to be a Christian and you believe what the Bible is saying, why is this not 100%? Anyway, 68% believe uh, there was a devil. 69%, 1% more, get this, believed in hell. 
I, another poll showed most Christians or not believe that everyone must find their own way to heaven. After all, we're all trying to get to the same place. There's this term called uh, relativism. And it is the position that all points of view are, are equal, they're all valid, and that all tr truth is relative to the individual. This means that all moral positions, all religious systems, all art forms, all political movements are truth and that they are relative to the individual. Under this umbrella of, of relativism, I'll spell it for uh, for those, because we have a lot of people, English is not their first language. R-E-L-A-T-I-V-I-S-M. And this group uh, uh, and perspectives, are, they're categorized here and can maybe separate it out just a little bit, but it, it, it follow, falls under this term. Truth, truth, okay? Relativism affirms that all truth is relative. This would mean that no system of truth is more valid than another one, and that there is no objective standard of truth. It would be uh, natural to deny that there is a God of absolute truth. The second uh, bullet under this would be moral and ethical uh, relativism. All morals are relative to the social group within in which they are constructed. And then we have the situational thing. Uh, ethics, right or wrong, are all dependent on the situation. And I think a lot of politicians uh, over the years, they, they say one thing and then a couple months later they're saying something different. Probably fall under that category. But anyway, unfortunately, uh, the belief of uh, relativism is present everywhere in our culture today. It is everywhere. With the rejection of God and Christianity in particular, absolute truth is being abandoned. The only truth, the truth is only as you see it. There are no absolutes anywhere. A Muslim may have his way of believing, while a Christian has his or her own way of believing, and depending on the situation, homosexuality is no big deal, lying, cheating, stealing, none of it's no big deal. If the person that's doing it sees nothing wrong with it, uh, that it's not a sin or doesn't violate any of his rules or laws, it's all good. And this would include uh, how people, uh, right or wrong, how they get to heaven, or how one goes to hell. Now, the role in the church is, is to teach absolutes, because there is absolutes in the Bible. And as a Christian, you have to believe this. Uh, you have to accept it. Whether you think it's right or wrong, it doesn't matter it's what God says is right or wrong. That's what matters. And when it comes to the truth of the Scriptures... Nowhere in the scriptures can I find that salvation comes from anywhere else but through Jesus Christ. Period. Nowhere else uh, can I find hell. It's just a myth. 
I mean, read with me here in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that is given among men by which we must be saved. Okay, well that one verse just knocks everything completely out. There's only uh, one way to heaven, and that's uh, by the name of Jesus. I mean, again, here in the book of Acts, the, the names of the apostles, I, again, are referring to as Jesus. Uh, if you read Acts chapter 4, you, you'll get that picture really clear. And this is an absolute, folks. I mean, if you don't believe this verse, then how or why are you calling yourself a Christian? How can you call yourself a follower of Jesus? Try to put this in perspective. You have Christianity on one hand and Judaism on the other hand in the context of Acts chapter 4. And we have this going on really right here in our day and time. Where so many people uh, believe that those who practice Judaism, are they're saved. But how can this be true if it was not true with the teachings of the apostles in the day they're here in the, in the temple? And these men, these apostles, they come from a Jewish background. The teaching uh, God's will to give the Jews a second chance on the last day, I, I struggle to find that in, my, in the Bible. Every living person, whether Jew or any other religious teaching, as long as that person's walking around, God is giving them every opportunity to repent and to come to Him. This time uh, that we spend here on earth should be spent avoiding de the death sentence of hell and glorifying our Creator and our Judge, and that, of course, is Jesus. Are there absolutes when it comes to sin? Uh, yes. <laughs> Let's look at a few of them right now. First uh, Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. This is from uh, the plain English version. It's a little different version than I normally use. First Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Surely you must realize that evil people will not enter God's kingdom. Don't be fooled. These are the kind of people I'm talking about. They commit sexual sin. They worship false gods. They commit adultery. They are perverts. They are homosexuals. They steal. They are greedy. They are drunkards. They say terrible things about people. They rob people. People like this will not enter the kingdom of God. We can see or read about people every day who practice these very things. And they don't think anything about it. It is weeds within their lifestyles. And some people within the Christian church may practice some of these very, very things or, or excuse those who do practice the lifestyles that Paul is talking about here. Uh, you know, some of the thing is that uh, they can't help it. The environment in which... Uh, they live causes them to act this way. Or, or here's the old standby. They can't help it if they were born that way. You may not realize this. Our society is slowly walking towards this idea 
it's okay for an adult to have relations with a minor child. Take for example the 35 year old female teacher who has an affair with her 13 year old male student. I mean this was in the news. And a child is even conceived from this relationship. And as you listen to the press and, and you read the articles on, on the court case, the minor child in every event of this situation was okay. After all, everything was consensual. There was no sin involved. I mean, never mind that this lady was already married, and never mind that the boy is too young under state law to consent. You can see it as a victimless crime here. And there's nothing wrong with it. That's that's what the media was really pushing really hard. What's even sadder is uh, there is a small moment uh, within this the psychological medical community saying this is not always unhealthy. And that's out of the New York Times. This same group before 1971 said homosexuality was a mental problem. Today they accept it as a normal lifestyle. We as humans think God takes sin lightly or ignores it since we do. And how wrong we are in this thinking. Everywhere you turn on the television, you're being programmed to accept all things as normal and not sinful. Uh, that's why the, the best screen I ever see is the black one. We rarely turn our television on and we certainly don't pay uh, for it. And so... It is just so, everything is so nasty and disgusting. I mean, I don't know how you can watch that. But notice here in verse 10, they are greedy. And it's really pretty easy to become greedy. Uh, that old saying, uh, the more you make, the more you want. Or trying to keep up with the Joneses. This constant urge to make more and more money uh, to have more and more toys to show off is simply not giving what God has blessed you with. We're supposed to help the less fortunate, support the gospel message, encourage those who are. Uh, if you're not doing these things, perhaps you need to reevaluate and ask yourself, am I being greedy? Most of us think that corporate America is the greedy ones. And they probably are. I mean, this very well could be. But really what Paul is warning here about are the souls in the kingdom of God. Warning them not to be greedy. Warning them not to be like the rest of the world. Because we're not supposed to be like the rest of the world. And here, the apostle in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, starting in at verse 19. And this is back to the New American Standard. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, excuse me, immorality, impurity, and sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like this, of which I forewarned you, just as I forewarned others not to practice such things. And those people who do will not inherit the kingdom of God. Some of this is a, a repeated list 
as the church in Corinth received. But notice those who practice outbursts of anger that's on this list. And I see this uh, more and more, where people just get really mad without really... We might say they have a short fuse, and they start slamming things and throwing things. And uh, Paul says this type of attitude really needs to stop. If you're claiming to be a Christian... You can't be doing that. You need to you need to figure out how to control that. You need to be praying about it, asking God for forgiveness, and, and work on getting complete control of our life and our thoughts and our actions. And did I say this was easy? Absolutely not. It's not easy. Uh, it's you have to want to do it. And you have to have God help you do it. Uh, learning to control your anger. Um, it's that's hard for a lot of people. Whatever we struggle at on this list, somehow we're going to have to learn to overcome them. And we have to learn and understand uh, we sin because we like it. Let's just be honest about it. And we can't break that mold by ourselves. We really cannot. Uh, we need to be and pray. And we need to pray again and pray some more and ask our spouses to pray for us, people at church to help pray for us and encourage us. Somebody that you can really confide in as another Christian to help you and encourage you. Our soul really depends on it. Envy, you know, here in verse 21, uh, to desire to have what somebody else has. I don't think it matters where you live or what you have. Uh, I've been in third world countries, and somebody had an old rug, it had holes in it, but they had it and you didn't, and it had value, okay? And they somebody really wanted that. It doesn't matter if you live in a grass hut or a place called Graceland. Drive a new car or an old fixer-upper. Paul is trying to say, be content with what you have. Paul was a man who strikes me as not being envious. I mean, he knows what it is to have, and he says, I know what it's like not to have. There's more on this verse that covers this topic here, but here in, in Revelation, Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, here is the Apostle John, and he is writing, and he says this, that for the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, immoral persons, sorcerer, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. Their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So it's not just one writer of the New Testament saying this. It is two people who are saying this. John writes something a little bit different here. The first subject he talks about, the cowardly. Is John implying here that we cannot be afraid? John is writing to a church that is facing persecution. Uh, if you haven't listened to our seven uh, churches uh, of Revelation, the series that we did, I encourage you to go to our webpage and look back and, and find those. We should not be afraid to be a Christian. We should not be afraid to proclaim our faith in Christ. And this applies to us the same way as it applied to them uh, back in 
in the time that John would write uh, the, the letter Revelation. After it, the only goal is to reason that unbelieving persons will not go to heaven. And I think he's really trying to imply that those people who are baptized and said a prayer and claim to be a Christian, I mean, if you really truly fail to believe God will take care of you through persecution, you're in trouble. He's not saying it's going to be fine. He didn't say it was going to be easy. But we really need to have faith that God, somewhere along the way, has got it all under control. And many of us confine ourselves on this list of these different apostles have wrote. And it should try, strike you that this list sounds very much like the Ten Commandments because they do to me. And, and I would challenge you to go back to the verses uh, and, and, and read them really closely that we've talked about in this podcast. I get emails that, that people take notes. and well, Amen. Thank you for doing that. Okay? And I think you're going to find that these lists are right there in the heart of the Ten Commandments. Because we get people who occasionally say, well, we're not under the old covenant, we're under the new. Okay, yeah, I get that. But there are some things that did carry over, and these things of moral issues, they carried over. I mean, God does not change. He cannot change. He's the same God today as He was yesterday, and He'll be the same God tomorrow as He is today. So why would God send people uh, he loves to hell? He's a just God who has laid out his absolute law. And if we're going to be, uh, if he's going to be the God that he claims to be, he has to follow the laws that he himself has established. I mean, you can get this idea that people, especially in the United States, the Western Hemisphere, We've never lived under a king. And whatever the king really says, that's law. And you can see this in Esther. Whatever that king said and made law, he could not change it. Could not change it. And so, even the king had to obey the law. He, again, is a just God. And he has laid out what you and I must do to have eternal life, to to be in his flock. We need the cross. We have to believe the cross and the shed blood for the forgiveness of sins. You and I really have to say, look, the other religions are a religion of works and that is not what Christianity is God paid the debt yes we must obey and we're going to fall short I guarantee you the flesh is weak the spirit might be willing right Jesus would say that to the apostles uh, the night of his arrest we need to understand and know who God is and what he wants what he expects and we need to continue to pray. We need to find a group of people, a church group, uh, that will help us, not judge us and condemn us. And more and more people I know in our area are actually going to more and more church 
type home they're going into each other's homes and they're walking away uh, from the traditional denominational type thing and so COVID uh, had a big thing to do with that but I, I don't know I've often wondered the church started off in homes will it end in homes and perhaps it will I I'm not a prophet I just I'm just talking so again read the Bible know what God's Word is and that's why I encourage everybody listening to, to follow along and open their Bible not just to take my word for it but take God's Word for what it really says I know that I appreciate your listening uh, I struggle just like you uh, put my pants on one leg at a time one one sock at a time whatever Whatever part of the world you're from, there's different sayings. But basically, we're all human, and we all truly need God. And we all really need to know who He is, what He expects from from us. And God knows we're sinners. I mean, that's why He sent Jesus. Without Jesus, we can do nothing. And without Jesus, without Him, uh, we're lost. Again, I want to thank you for listening. I know we have uh, several people out there from all around the world, different parts of the country, different parts of the world. Thank you for listening and thank you for your prayers. Please continue to pray for this podcast and for us that we can continue to do this as we uh, struggle each day. Just like you, we also struggle financially to, to keep things rolling and moving and pray that God will help us figure all that out. If you would like to help us, uh, you can... Go to our webpage, and we have a PayPal account set up. It is not tax deductible, and so I get asked that question occasionally. And so, no, we are not uh, exempt. Again, we probably never will file anything with the government on that anyhow. So, but we do get help occasionally, and we appreciate our our supporters, uh, Lafayette. I want to say hello to you. Appreciate your listening and helping us spread the word and telling others about us. And thank you for listening to everybody around the world. May God bless you, and may He have the glory. <laughs>